0: Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett here with our director of Option Line, Nafisa Kennedy, and a few of her team members as they discuss showing empathy through digital contacts. So, this includes communication like chat or email, uh, where messaging may be brief but can still be very effective. So, to give you some background on the Option Line team and I could spend an entire episode just talking about how amazing this team is, but to keep it short, these consultants are available through our 24 seven pregnancy help contact center. And option line has just celebrated 20 years of connecting people in need to pregnancy help organizations near them. Option line answers an average of 1,100 men and women each day. And one thing that inspires me about your team, Nafisa is your ability to adapt to technology so Option Line started taking phone calls 20 years ago, but now you're finding that a lot of people prefer the chat or the texting option because that's just a comfortable way that people communicate these days. And that takes a new set of communication skills. So your team has jumped right in. You've become the experts on showing compassion through a text and having those meaningful conversations over chat. Uh, so I can't wait to dive into this topic deeper, but uh, those interested, can of course, dive deeper with you at your in-depth day training at our upcoming heartbeat international annual conference that's happening at the end of April. Um, I'll have links to that information in the show notes, but, uh, also you can go to heartbeatservices.org for more on that. So, Nafisa, said it's great to have you on today with your team. So let's start by having you introduce your team members who you've brought with you today and uh, some of their background.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on the Pregnancy Health Podcast. We are thrilled to be here and and sharing what we have learned over the last couple years. We are um, always striving for excellence in our interactions on the phone, on chat, text, email, and really all that we do is so that we can meet that client right where they are. And it just so happens that a lot of our clients have shifted their location uh, from the phone to um, to the screen, really. Um, so uh, I have with me today Lauren King, who's one of our Option Line consultants. She's been with us for a few years now, and I have Petra Wallenmeier, who's one of our administrative supervisors. She's been with us a little bit longer than Lauren, um, and she uh, is probably one of our better known option line team members. She's had the opportunity to kind of share her knowledge in other avenues through our Heartbeat publications. So you might know Petra already. Um, but I'll give them each a chance to introduce themselves. Lauren, would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey to Option Line?
2: sure i'm so glad to be here with you guys today um so i worked at a pregnancy center actually in louisville kentucky where our conference is next uh, month i can't believe it's almost time for it and i worked there for um about the years 2009 to 2015. Um, i was a peer counselor and i also did campus outreach for them um and around that time at the end, I started just having more children, and I transitioned from a paid role to a volunteer role, and it worked out perfectly because my center opened up a Thursday night. So not only was I free to volunteer my time there, um, we were really able to serve women who work the eight to five or live in little towns maybe outside of Louisville, and they could take that time after the work hours to travel to us, and. Simultaneously, uh, we started using Option Line. And so I was on the other end of things getting a printout of appointments that Option Line had made for us. And many, many, many were abortion minded. And it was so valuable to have those appointments scheduled for us. And so I really had my interest peaked about Option Line in that way. Um, and then I also started just looking at different job options, wanted to work remote, just being a mom having a lot of kiddos at home. And so I started asking option line, like, hey, do you guys train anyone remotely? And they said, no, (laughs) we don't. And I just was sort of like the persistent widow. Like I just kind of kept asking over the years. And finally in 2020, they said yes. And I believe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think I was the first new remote hire. And that was really fun um, to just see everything kind of Go the full circle. Well, I remember
1: your persistence, Lauren. I remember our HR uh, coordinator uh, mentioning how many times you had reached out before your interview. Uh, but we're so glad that you said yes to that role. And um, you mentioned our uh, our shift to start hiring uh, remote positions. And um, we actually hired our first remote employee in 2013, I believe. Um, and she is out in Texas still with us today. Um, but that's, you know, just another way that we've kind of adapted um with the the different trends that have emerged over the years. So so happy that we could snag you and um, that you're still with us. Petra, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and your journey to option line?
3: Sure, sure. Yeah. And Lauren is a great addition. Um my journey to option line was um interesting it, to me at least i did not always work in the pregnancy help world so option line was my first foray into the pregnancy help movement, actually. So um, I was going to the Ohio State University for graduate school for chemistry. And um, once I left there, I needed a job. And um, at the time I was working at OSU, um, but I was uh, working there, but during the summer I wasn't. And so I actually joined Option Line during the summer part time as a consultant. And I was just getting into kind of like realizing that the pro life movement was a thing. And um, I thought, oh my gosh, this is something I'm really passionate about. And I just sat down one day and Googled pro-life jobs in Columbus, Ohio and uh heartbeat international and option line came up right away. And I thought, Oh, I can definitely do this. So I worked as a consultant from 2018 to 2020 at option line, actually. Um, I think like part-time during the school year and full-time during the summers and then transitioned, um, applied for an opening on the supervisor team at the end of 2020, which was just God's timing with COVID restrictions. I'm sorry, the end of 2019. Um, and so with COVID restrictions in 2020 happening, OSU, I I don't know if I would have been able to keep my job at OSU. And so um, I'm very thankful that God provided me with that transition, but yeah, Option Line has been my first um, foray into the pro life movement and the pregnancy help movement. And it has uh, just grown for me from there. But yeah, it has been a, a really good experience.
1: And I would say uh, that you both have blessed Option Line uh, and our clients, all of the women and men that we serve, by saying yes to that call God placed on your life to join us in our work. Now, Petra, you have been with us for several years now and seen a couple of seasons at Option Line. Um, I wonder if you might be willing to share with us a little bit about things that might have changed, you know, the way that contacts interact with us over the years.
3: Yeah, for sure. So um one thing that I have noticed, even in my short time here, it was happening before I joined in 2018. Um, as a consultant, but just has become more apparent since I have been here is that what we would refer to as digital interactions. So, interactions that are not by phone, um, texting or um, live chatting with a consultant, even email, have grown in popularity. Um, So, those numbers have increased. And um, some days, and I'm pretty sure we have the the data to show this too, some days our digital interactions equal our number of phone interactions. And so that has definitely not always been the case. So we are seeing definitely an increase in people reaching out digitally. And then one thing that I have also noticed, and Lauren can even speak to this part, is um, since... The Dobbs decision last summer, there has even been a shift in types of interactions as far as not just digital versus phone, but even what they're asking for, um, reaching out earlier in pregnancy or even before they know that they're pregnant and if they are not seeking abortion, they are seeking um, physical services a lot more than they're seeking, you know, like emotional support services. Um, they're seeking physical, um, tangible services like an ultrasound, like a pregnancy verification so that they can apply for Medicaid, um, material aid, whether that's financial aid or housing or baby items. Um so those have been some shifts I've seen even in just types of contacts um, after the, the Dobbs decision was handed down.
1: Yeah, it's been so interesting to observe the shift in trends, um, especially post-Dobbs. Um, one of the things that has always been interesting to me about our digital interactions, and this goes uh, way back to the days when we were just doing email and had, you know, recently started, you um, Handling AIM Instant Messenger. Uh, that, those were the uh, the times when I joined Option Line back in two thousand six. Um, we were kind of limited in our digital interactions, but even then, you'd notice people were like more willing to tell their whole story on an email or a chat than they were on phone calls. On phone calls, it's kind of different, right? You usually have to do some prying and ask really good questions. Um, You still have to ask good questions on digital interactions, but um, it's always been interesting to me, um, the things that people share in digital interactions. Um, And Lauren, I wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit more about how our digital interactions are different from our phone calls.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, I'm going to call these, I guess, like the strengths and challenges. I don't want to say they're positive or negative, um, but I definitely want to talk about the good things first. Of course, all of our interactions through Option Line they are confidential, um, but when we get into the digital, you know, that can be private to that person who is contacting us. Someone could be holding their phone and chatting with us, even when someone is sitting next to her or across the room that she doesn't want to know that she's worried she could be pregnant and that could be a boyfriend, that could be a parent um, or she's just scared and she just hasn't told anyone yet. I've even had a chatter, a, a young chatter. She said, oh, I'm at school right now. And so she was, not that I would maybe recommend that, but she was she was texting us while she was at school. And I just think that's kind of neat that we are accessible in that way, in a private way anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, you know, our information, when we're texting with them, they can save it. A a text, it's already going to be in there. And if it's a chat, they can screenshot it. I mean, gone are the days, at least for a lot of, I think our clients um, of pen and paper or a paper calendar. (laughs) I know some people like this still, but, you know, these girls are probably going to be keeping things in that phone or in the notes app. So I just love that Um, it's so easy to get through to them and we can do it anywhere. We can do it in a car with them challenges. I mean, if you just, you guys are probably listening to this podcast on a screen and you know, it's, it's flat, it's cold. It's not very interactive. Um, Are, you know, our clients can't hear our tone or see our faces. They do ask us if we're robots. I don't know. I always think that's really funny, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah. No, I am not a robot. Yes, I do care about you. Um, You know, I think we all do this in digital interactions. We can really expect that quick response because everything is so accessible to us in these days. And so we just see that on, um, on the chats and texts as well. So sometimes people even might leave really, really quickly. Even while we're trying to respond to them, they got distracted or something came up and they had to shut the interaction down. So I think that can be a little bit of challenge, a challenge, but I think that's even why it's even more important to really convey a positive, empathetic, client-centered response. And that could just be saying something simple, like, I'm so sorry you're facing this. We care about you. You're not alone to being creative and using emojis, which is some people's language, but we have a way to reach through the screen and connect with them. And I think that it is it is possible. And like one, okay, one quick analogy I thought of, it's kind of like if you've ever been on a stage or we've all probably watched a play or watched someone give the news, you know, they have extra makeup. Um, And to us, it just looks normal, but they have to put on that extra makeup to be seen. And so I just felt like, well, that's kind of what we try to do in our digital. We reach harder we put on extra language maybe to reach our clients. And then that really makes a difference and helps them feel valued and seen as image bearers and that we we care about them.
1: Wow, Lauren, that is a lot. You highlighted some really key challenges that we deal with, um, with our digital interactions. Um, And a few, I just want to kind of go end up on. Um, One of those challenges is the expectation of the client. So uh, one thing that's interesting, um, there's a different expectation, even among text interactions and chat interactions, um, and, and when it comes to email as well. Um, so if someone contacts us via email, um, they're generally expecting a response time of what What would you guys say?
3: Um, uh, I'm going to say
2: under 30 seconds.
3: As, as soon yeah. as possible. Immediate, immediate. Yeah. yeah. Definitely under 30 seconds if you don't answer. That might be generous. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't answer very quickly, especially especially if they're doing a live chat, they are expecting that immediate response. Texting, you can get away with a little bit longer, but sometimes even within five minutes of a text, if I haven't answered, you know, I get a question, is anyone there? Like, hello, question mark or something like that. So, yeah very very short time frame
1: yeah so for chat absolutely 30 seconds they want that response now there's an expectation um text you know i when i text a business i don't necessarily um, receive a response uh immediately and if i do i expect it's a bot um there might be you know maybe an hour of expectation there but um emails uh I don't even expect an email back within 24 hours from a business these days. So there are just these different expectations about um, about response times. And, um, and that really does impact how we answer. We did some research last year, actually, uh, looking at our chat satisfaction scores. And this was a very important aspect of our chat satisfaction. Petra, would you like to talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I would love to talk about that. So I looked um, at almost 500 of our chats and found that clients very much valued three um, main things from a consultant. So clients really valued uh, when a consultant responded quickly. And so usually that meant under a two-minute response time, just an initial response, you know, like a a hi, a hello, or, um, you know, thanks for reaching out to us today. And then in addition to a a prompt response, clients were more likely to rate the chat as good and also leave a positive comment specifically um, about the chat if a consultant was seen as helpful like um, answering the question that they asked um, pointing them to a resource you know a pregnancy help center that had a service that they were actually needing so for example free pregnancy testing for client you know for a client who wasn't sure if she was pregnant yet but had missed her period Um, so those were seen as helpful and really positive interactions for clients. And then uh, the last point was if a consultant showed empathy, which as Lauren and and Nafisa have mentioned, is kind of hard, um, harder sometimes over just text to convey that. But when consultants were able to do things like a simple emoji using language like I and you language like I am happy to help you and st- instead of saying something like we are happy to help you um so keeping it on like that personal um one-on-one level with their language and being um empathetic saying things like thank you or I'm Glad you reached out, or even at the end of a message saying that they hoped, um, you know, they had a nice day or wishing them the best. Empathetic language like that was really um, valuable to clients as well. So, um, those kind of three things, you know, a quick response, being helpful. Um, to the client, but then also that empathetic language were all um, really important factors in getting positive feedback from clients and being um, being seen as a helpful resource for them.
1: Yeah, that research was so helpful in um, kind of framing some Revised training for our hotline consultants, um, tying in aspects of the love approach um, to the new learning that we uh, had. We were able to really improve our service to our clients. Uh, Not that we weren't already providing great service, but um, when we're interacting in new ways, there's always more that we can learn. Um, And that's part of what this podcast is for to to kind of share that learning that we've had, some of the comments from the um, research that you did, Petra, the client comments were so sweet.
3: Yes, very. There
1: was, there was a, a couple. There were a couple that I kind of uh, remember. Um, one was uh, there. There was some feedback where a client wrote. Very nice and pretty fast to respond with an exclamation point. There was another uh, where the client commented that their consultant was very friendly and helpful. She was nice and respectful and really helped me not to worry. Um, These are the kind of comments that we were seeing. And Petra was able to kind of look at those chats and, and analyze what specific factors contributed to the success of those interactions and um, really found some great stuff. Um, Lauren was actually one of our consultants who had some of the most positive feedback on her chats. And so um, she became uh, one of our experts on the team when it comes to showing empathy via digital interactions. So Lauren, I wonder if you might be willing to share some of the tools that you have in your toolkit.
2: I would love to. I just love digital interactions so much. I feel like it's its own little mission field. Um, And so this might be a little bit of a flyover and that's okay. I think what's great about the digital is because it's always evolving. You can always change. You can always play with words to make it better suit your audience. But so I think in the beginning, I'm just going to kind of use the categories like beginning middle, and very simple, um, I think when they kind of come into that chat or text, I think starting out with, actually, one of our consultants said this best, you know, act like you're talking to your closest friend, or what would you want someone to tell your sister, or even you, if you were in crisis, you wouldn't want someone to just kind of be flat, or I we made the joke earlier about being a robot, no, you would want them to feel seen. And so just starting out with a really warm welcome, even just saying, I'm so glad you reached out today. Uh, Sometimes I think our clients are worried that they're going to feel like a burden. It's just an instinctive thing inside of all of us that we're going to bother somebody. And we do not want them to feel that way. Um, And I think as you go along, just being willing to really check in with them as you dialogue. We can ask open-ended questions. I, I think we'll even talk about that in a little bit. And ask permission to share things. Do you mind if I send you some common symptoms of pregnancy? Or do you mind if I ask if you've shared your pregnancy with anybody? Uh, We can validate them as we go along. Tell them, I'm sorry you're going through this. I understand. I mean, you guys know if, if you're in crisis, it's not fun to just be told, well, just cheer up, you know. No, you want someone to say, I'm sorry, that's hard. Um, and we can put those into our digital interactions. I've also been playing around with saying, um, using the word and instead of but, and you guys can give me pushback on this, but I feel like sometimes when we say but, you're like, but what? <laughs> like, it's going to be kind of negative, negative. and so I've been saying things like, hey, you know your body best, and here's when to take our pregnancy test, and I feel like that's been received really well, and in addition, just thanking them at the end for trusting them, tr- trusting us rather with their situation. you know, it's not easy to reach out to people on the internet, <laughs> like strangers that you don't know about something you are so, mm-hmm. so worried about. And maybe you've been crying about it and, you know, your nervous system is going into fight or flight. So just thanking them and letting them feel valued in that moment is a big deal. Telling them to have a good day. We care about them. You know, I care about them. Throw in some emojis. I guess I say that a lot, but they like those. And I ultimately it's because they do matter, you know, wherever they're at in life. They, as I mentioned earlier, they're image bearers. And our love might someday point them to Christ and his church, even if we don't share the gospel in that interaction, we do not know what these little seeds might plant and grow. And so they are opportunities to point to the to the great shepherd, to the one who does care ultimately about their soul. And so these are just really moments that we want to be so careful with, but also so loving and, and all in on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, what you said about um,
1: how hard it can be to reach out to somebody on the internet, that's really important. Uh, When someone reaches out to us for that first time, whether it's on the phone, text, chat, or email, whatever method they use to reach out to us, that's a bold decision to trust somebody else with an intensely personal issue, um, especially a complete stranger. That can be really hard to do. So one thing that I like to say, personally, is thank you for trusting me with this. Um, And I found that to be really positively received as well. Petra, do you have any tips for our audience about how to show empathy via chat?
3: Yeah. So one thing, and I shared this with our team, one small change that I started making near end of our interaction was to recognize that um, this is a a process and a journey for the client and to communicate to her that I um, recognize that, that this was not like, hey, you talked to me one time and now everything is solved sort of deal. And I don't know why I started making that language change, but I did and I started noticing um just more positive feedback near the end of the conversation. So instead of just saying like I wish you the best or I hope you have a good day, um, w- which are great things to say, um, instead of just a, you know, see you later, goodbye. Um instead I started changing it slightly just to tell her, I wish you the best on the rest of your journey or I wish you the best um during your um, decision making process uh, and so I would just use those uh, terms there and and just kind of add that in to you know my way of of telling her goodbye um, at the end of the message and that started getting, a lot more positive feedback. And I wasn't really expecting that. So that was kind of an unexpected finding for me. But I, I think the reason um, that I started seeing that was just, um, yeah, acknowledging that this is a process for her and she is she is scared. And by what I'm saying, I don't want to sound dismissive of her. Like, You've taken up my time now. Goodbye. But I also don't want to sound dismissive of the fact that maybe she doesn't have everything figured out, even after talking to me and feeling more calm and having a resource or maybe even an appointment um, made. So I um, that that's what I'm thinking. I haven't been in that client's position, so I don't know exactly what's going through her mind. So that's just something small that I've started doing kind of to wrap up. A conversation.
1: I love that acknowledgement that she doesn't have to have a conclusion right at that moment, that she's on a journey and that's okay. I love that thought. And speaking of love, listeners- who uh, have been familiar with Heartbeat might be familiar with our love approach, which is something that we talk about a lot here at Heartbeat. And it's something that our option line staff are really tuned into um, and something that uh, we use um, on a daily basis about 1100 times a day. So, Petra, would you share a little bit about our love approach and um, kind of how it relates to our digital interactions?
3: Sure. So I will start with going over the love approach and just what the love stands for in that. So the L in our love approach is the first step in all of our conversations, and that is to listen and learn. Um, so that's with all of our contacts, even though listening may look different or happen differently over texting or chatting than it does with a phone call. But what we're really wanting to do on this step is focus on the client and her situation, giving her our total attention. Um, this is the a good step to ask open-ended questions um, to kind of draw out her story and see what her underlying needs and fears are. Are, um, and it helps us build trust with the client who is reaching out to us um, so that we're not just jumping in to give her advice when maybe she feels like, I don't even know this person or they didn't even take the time to understand me. So that first step, listen and learn, is so, so important. And I don't think you can do any of the other steps of the love approach if you do not start with that. It's so fundamental. The O stands for open options. And so this is where we as a consultant start to help the caller or texter or chatter examine what her options really are. And we want this to be factual. We want these to come in a loving and caring manner. Um, What choices does she actually have? She may be saying that she has no choice, um, but this is our chance to kind of let her know that Maybe you do have more choices than you think, and the route may look different, but let's look at what would it be like if we did um, consider this option. Just helping her consider pros and cons even, or what is uh, realistic for her. Um, The v And love stands for vision and value. And this and the O step are often kind of intertwined. And vision and value, that's where us as the consultants, we try to um, introduce a new vision to the caller to really help her understand what her worth is. As Lauren said, as a child of God, whether we're using that christian or religious language with her to be using language that tells her you are important you are worthy um you may be you know she may be considering options because she doesn't have a good value of herself or what she's capable of and we can step in and say actually you have far more value than you may think that you have um, and giving her that that healthier vision for what her future could look like. And that last step in love is E for extend and enable. And this is that last step where at the hotline, at least, this is where we would be um, connecting her with a pregnancy help organization in her area that can provide her the services And or support that she needs, and really only after we followed the first three steps is she going to be open and willing to take that help from us. Um, You know, so we never want a client to feel like we're, um, you know, here's a referral and you know moving along with our day. We want to take them one by one and um, really let her know that we're we care about her and we're listening to her and what we are. Extending to her the resource we're extending to her, we think will really help her because we have taken that time to listen um, to her and what she needs, and I think that can work. It obviously it does work with all channels of communication, but I think um, maybe Lauren can give some uh, specific examples of of that if that's okay.
1: Yeah, Lauren, why don't you walk us through what listen looks like with digital interactions, because it's different, right? Absolutely. Um,
2: that was so good, Petra. Thank you for sharing all of that. that. Um, so I put down, be a learner of your digital clients. Um, and I, so I kind of, picture myself as a student of them when they come into our chat room or they're texting with us. Um, so one way we, we listen, I, I mean, I know we're really reading it right on the screen, but we can read everything they sent to us. Have they already sent what they're kind of thinking about the pregnancy? They might have their intention for what they're going to do. Um, you know, what can we learn from what they're sharing, even if it's, if it's really short? maybe that could be an intro to ask an open-ended question to get to those options. Or what are they not saying? Um, so kind of stepping into what they're saying, letting them kind of start to lead the way, and then we're going to help them and just guide them along to get them to those open options. For vision and value for the V, uh, hey, we can listen for keywords If they happen to um, mention something of a religious nature and they may not and that is perfectly fine but maybe that is an opportunity for us to step in and encourage them in some way offer to pray for them offer to share anything that they may want to know more about um, you know sometimes we have post-abortion women come in or who are seeking after abortion support and they have a lot of questions about religion and and wh- how to deal with that after having an abortion. Um, and so we're just there to listen and to point them to the center. Um, and then also for the extend and enable, you did such a great job explaining that, Petra, I kind of have the question, well, what what gaps could the center help fill? Does she need a pregnancy test? Well, that's obviously a very direct way to get them to the center, but is it something else? Do they need diapers for their already existing children and they're pregnant? Do they know the laws in their state um, regarding abortion after, you know, the Dobbs decision has come down? Um, Are they just needing more information about plan B, even though, Of course, we don't refer for it, but we do have information about it, and we're happy to do that. And one other thing that I think is great is that on our website, optionline.org, we've got some links and information that we can actually add in there um, in our digital interaction. And, And I don't expect them to read that right there when we're chatting, but I again, I'm just thinking, hey, this is saved in that phone. Maybe they'll come back and read it later, so I'm just going to use every avenue I can to get them some helpful information, um, to point them towards the center and to t- and to towards what's true.
1: Yeah, thanks, Lauren. Um, I really think that you guys have highlighted some some key points and how to serve our digital contacts really well. Um, I think there are maybe one or two things that I just wanted to throw in there as an addition to what you guys have already talked about. One is um, that that L in the love approach, listening on digital interactions, like Lauren said, it's so important to just digest what they're saying to you and then asking good questions to get the answers, about what they're not saying. So um, asking great questions is a really key uh, part of successful digital interactions. And then I wondered, Lauren, if you might talk a little bit about mirroring their language, because that was something else that we learned recently, you know, here in the last couple years that can be really effective at serving clients uh, through digital interactions.
2: Sure. So um I think we're saying the same thing about it's reflecting kind of back to them what they're saying. And so I might say something like, it's, it seems that you're worried to, I guess, tell a parent, am I understanding correctly? So we're kind of, that's a really simple example, but I'm, maybe they've told me a lot and I'm just reflecting back to them what they've said. I'm asking them if it's correct to validate it. And then I'm moving forward with their answer if you guys have another one,
3: I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear it, Lauren. That is a good example. I I think another simple example would be like if they send you some information, but they're using you, you talked about kind of looking for keywords here and there. So if they use the word anxious, when I in describing their situation when I send them a message back I'm going to try to use that same word instead of changing it to scared or worried or concerned like I am going to mirror her her language back to her that way um and so I may not be like repeating just back but I you know I may say she may say I'm so anxious blah, blah 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 here's here's why and so then my response to her may be you know wow, I can understand why you might be feeling anxiety right now or why you might be anxious right now. So I'm going to try to mirror the actual terms that she uses to describe herself or her situation. But I I think what you were saying is also uh, another way of absolutely of mirroring her language and then asking clarification is is a great um, follow-up there.
1: Yeah, exactly. That mirroring of their language can be so valuable um, because you're expressing that you've listened and you've heard them um, and you're speaking their language. So thank you guys for this conversation and for being willing to share a little bit of what we've learned uh, for those listeners who uh, will be attending our conference in Louisville and um, and will uh, participate in our in-depth day. We look forward to seeing you there.
0: Thank you so much Nafisa and Petra and Lauren it was so interesting for me to hear your process and the ideas that you all share with each other as consultants on how to connect and show empathy through digital contacts and i was just thinking you know 20 years ago at the beginning of option line would they have thought someday we'll probably be texting and chatting more than anything and and I was thinking, Nafisa, you have been with Option Line for a number of years now. How long have you been with Option Line? We didn't go through your background. So give us a, a really brief background on your history with Option sure. Line. Sure.
1: I started with Option Line in 2006. So I believe that brings me to 17 years at this point. Um, started out as a consultant and um, held every position that you can within Option Line. And in 2017, I was asked to step into the role of director. And it's really my privilege to lead an extremely Capable and um, loving team of women.
0: When you've been there for a lot of those changes over the years, and seen how technology is always changing, but it it always just amazes me how your team is able to adapt to whatever that technology is, and then continue on with the the never changing empathy and showing compassion and connecting with men and women with those pregnancy questions. So, thank you so much for learning everything that you need to learn whenever that those changes happen in technology. So again, for listeners, if you're thinking of attending the Heartbeat Conference or you would just like to know more, again, it's at the end of April in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, you can find out more about that at heartbeatservices.org. The Option Line team will be doing an in-depth day training, which means it's a full day of training. So again, heartbeatservices.org. Uh, in the conference section, you'll find more information on that as well as registration information. Again, thank you so much. And uh, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Health Podcast.